everyone. Welcome to News Game Plus. I'm your host, Brandon Barons. I hope everyone is doing well today. I hope you are staying safe. There is a lot in the world that is going on, and I haven't really spoken about it because it seemed to have developed since our last episode last week. Honestly, I have been keeping my mouth shut. I feel it's important for voices that are not my own to speak about their thoughts to speak about their thoughts. And I'm I'm just going to shut up and not really say anything other than this podcast, of course. With all that's going on in the world, Sony of course decided to suspend their event that would have happened uh June 4th, which would be the Thursday that I'm recording this. Personally, I feel that this was the right move. Unequivocally, there is no reason to have an event about happiness and joy that the next generation is coming out. There is no sense in having that event while cities are literally being burned to the ground. There is rioting going on. There are peaceful protests and there are voices that need to be heard in these troubling times. So it just didn't make any sense to have the event today, maybe next week, maybe the week after. We haven't heard about when the event will be taking place, but hopefully if it's next week, we'll hear about it in the next couple of days. Because the event was canceled this week, we don't have a lot of video game news to talk about. The idea was that the event would kind of be the spark that would set the fireworks off and that we would get a ton of news pouring in uh, about games that are coming out for the rest of this year and maybe a look at the future of Next Gen, but that won't be happening because the PlayStation event didn't happen uh, and we don't know when it's happening. So I will definitely keep you updated whether on Twitter or Uh, when we record again next Thursday. But uh, for this episode today, there is some news that I want to talk about. It's not a lot of news that I can speak authoritatively about, but I would like to discuss some of these uh, news topics today. And I would like to talk about some of the the games I've been playing, because I have been playing a few games and actually a lot of different games, and then I finished some games. So I'd like to talk about some of the thoughts. These are uh, older games, but um, I feel like I want to talk about it, and hopefully it's entertaining for you. I also want to mention now that we are on iTunes. You could find us at News Game Plus on iTunes. Just type into the search bar, and we should pop up. There is actually another podcast called News Game Plus, but this is News Game Plus, a video game podcast. It has that uh, title underneath it, and the the one that isn't this podcast doesn't. And the logo, we have a logo. It's exciting. My friend Rocco, he created it, and it looks amazing. When I first saw it, I couldn't believe that that was the logo for my podcast. It looks great, and thank you to Rocco. And uh, yeah, it's uh, now we're on iTunes, so check us out on iTunes. You can leave a review. You can uh, give us five stars if you really like it or 
just give us some feedback, and it's exciting. We're on iTunes now, so now you'll be, hopefully you'll be able to access the podcast easier. If you uh, have an iPhone, you can just access us through the Apple Podcast app, which is a goal that I wanted to achieve when I started this podcast. I didn't want to stick to just Podbean. I wanted to be able to be on iTunes, and hopefully I'll expand to more platforms in the future. Without further ado, let's jump into the news. This story comes from Robert Ramsey over at PushSquare.com. It says, Kingdoms of Amalur Remaster confirmed as Action RPG. Action RPG promises refined gameplay. Overlooked Action RPG Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning is being remastered, it seems, and soon. Wow. That wasn't a good sentence when, you know, when you say it out loud. That was horrible. The original title launched on PS3 back in 2012, but even though it was well-received and pushed as the beginning of a new role-playing franchise, it never got the sequel that it deserved. The company that owned the property, 38 Studios, closed down due to financial troubles. However, in 2018, six years after the game launched, THQ Nordic bought the rights. Shortly after, there were rumors that the publisher was looking into reviving the property, and now it looks like it's actually happening. At the time of writing, so this is this is, was an ongoing story that happened earlier today, but uh, Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning has its own product page on Microsoft, uh, Microsoft's official website. And as we all know, Microsoft just loves to leak upcoming announcements through its product listings. We've, we've got a description, screenshots, and even a release date. The remaster is tagged for the 11th of August, 2020. The description reads, The hit RPG returns. From the minds of best-selling author R.A. Salvatore, Spawn creator Todd McFarlane, and Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion lead designer Ken Ralston comes Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning. Remastered with stunning visuals and refined gameplay, Re-Reckoning delivers intense, customizable RPG combat inside a sprawling game world. The official Twitter account for Kingdoms of Amalur has confirmed that this remaster is happening. It writes, The rumors are true. Prepare for a Re-Reckoning because Kingdoms of Amalur is coming back. Remastered with stunning visuals and refined gameplay, it's soon time to experience an epic RPG journey and all its DLCs like never before. I'm definitely excited about this. Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning is one of those few titles from the PS3, Xbox 360 generation that I miss, that I wanted to go back to on the PS3, but now that it is coming to the PS4 at least, I will play it. On day one, it doesn't come out till August, so I'm hope so. Hopefully, I'll be you know be f- free and I'll be looking for a game to play, and I'll jump into this one around August because it looks pretty cool. This was a developing story all day, and I did see that there seems to be some sort of collector's edition, but that w- looks like it'll come out August 18th, which is a week after o- August 11th when the game comes out. But I think. It's confirmed for August 11th as the release date. Our next story is from IGN. Sony Days of Play 2020 Best PlayStation 4 Sales and Deals. Uh, Every year, PlayStation has the Days of 
Play sale, usually around E3 time or June, which is right now. And I just want to talk about some of the deals because we have a PlayStation 4. These are some great deals that you definitely want to take advantage of. So we have Sony PlayStation Plus for 12 months instead of the normal $60. It is $41.99 or $42. The same thing goes with PlayStation Now. If you don't have PlayStation Now, it is $42 instead of $60. You could get, you could get three months of PlayStation Now for $20. And you can also get one month of PlayStation Now for 10 So make sure you take advantage of those servicey type deals. Sony PlayStation Platinum Wireless Headset, instead of $160, it is marked down to $100. And I believe if you get the Gold Wireless Headset, those are marked down from $120 to $70 or $100 to $70. It's around $70 for the gold wireless headset, which is awesome. We also have some games that have come out within the last year. We have Neo 2, which instead of 60 is marked down to 40. We have Days Gone, which is marked down to, from 60 to 20, though I believe I saw it on PSN for 15. So if you're looking for the cheaper deal, check out PSN because I believe it's 15. We have Dreams instead of 40, it is 30. We have Spider-Man Game of the Year Edition, which is down from 40 to 20. Death Stranding is now 30 instead of 60. Medieval is now 20 instead of 30. MLB The Show 20, which is now 60, I mean, which was 60 and is now 40. Dark Souls Remastered is down from 30 to 16. Farpoint is now $10 instead of 20. Blood and Truth VR is now uh, $20 instead of $40. And I'd also like to mention Resident Evil 3, which I may pick up. I don't think I'm going to pick it up. I think I'll wait for it to go down a little bit lower in price, just because it's not a very long game. And that is $40, which was marked down from $60. And that game was $60 for, like, the longest time. Also, uh, Everybody's Golf VR, that is $15. So if you... Have PlayStation VR, definitely pick that up. I'm going to get through this last batch quickly. These are all PlayStation Hits games that are first party and they are half off. So we got Last of Us Remastered, God of War, God of War 3 Remastered, Horizon Zero Dawn, Neo, Uncharted 4, Uncharted The Nathan Drake Collection, Uncharted The Lost Legacy, Little Big Planet 3, Ratchet & Clank, Until Dawn, uh, Bloodborne, you also have Infamous Second Son, all $10. So if any of, if you haven't uh, played in any of those games, you can pick them up for only $10, which is fantastic. Our next story is from IGN. Matt Kim has the story. Project Cars 3 announced for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Developer Slightly Mad Studios is back in the driver's seat after surprise and... After surprise announcing Project Cars 3, the next game in its popular racing simulator series. Project Cars became popular with racing aficionados thanks to the high level of detail in the first two Project Cars games. However, with the new sim, Slightly Mad is working to expand beyond the sandbox with a fleshed out career mode. Speaking with Games Radar, Project Cars 3 production director Pete Moore says that alongside its highly customizable sandbox 
which includes different cars, tracks, and weather conditions that can be mixed and matched. There's also a new career mode designed to help more casual fans. According to Morish, there's a whole metagame and a whole career system to really support newcomers to the franchise, and those that are maybe further down the continuum towards more casual, more pick-up-and-play people than the, the, the usual simhead crowd. The article continues on here, but Project Cars 3, I think they're going for a more arcadey look, which is different because Project the uh, Project Cars 2 and the original part, Project Cars are more sim-heavy, more in the line with Gran Turismo, and more in the line with the likes of Forza Motorsport. This game seems to be a little bit more casual, a little bit more arcadey, and I think that for them, it was just a little... Those are great games. Uh, Gran Turismo, Sony takes a little bit more time uh, making the game so that it doesn't come out every year, but there's a Forza Motorsport game pretty much every year. You get Forza Motorsport, and then you get Forza Motorsport Horizon. I don't think we got one last year, but we'll probably get one this year for the Xbox Series X release. So I think Project Cars tried to compete in that space, but I think they're going more casual with this release to hopefully increase sales. And you kind of get a jack-of-all-trades with this game. You get a little bit of the sim gameplay, but you also get this career mode, and you also get a little bit more casual play, which I think is what they're going for. This next story is a little bit more interesting. I saw it on IGN. Adam Bankhurst has the story, and he says that Konami sets up Western third-party game publishing division. Konami, the company behind such games as Metal Gear Solid and Silent Hill, has announced it has launched a new third-party publishing unit in the West, and that its first game, Skeletak, is available now. Speaking to GamesIndustry.biz, Konami's senior brand and business development manager, Richard Jones, discuss how this new initiative will focus on external studios that will bring games designed to succeed in Western markets. The drive is towards publishing more titles from Western studios, Jones said, so the focus of the European team is domestic audiences. Obviously, everyone knows Konami. We have studios and teams in Japan. We have many well-known, well-loved IPs. They're all being managed and looked after by our studios in Japan. And what we're looking for is complementary titles to build a portfolio with things that perhaps are new to Konami. Western titles for Western audiences. Even though Konami hasn't been focusing on some of its most beloved franchises, save for titles as uh, Metal Gear Survive and the Contra and Castlevania Anniversary Collections, its mobile games PSS Online, which is uh, Pro Evolution Soccer, and eSports have led to years of consecutive profit growth. These new games, however, will find their way to PC and consoles. Skeletak, while not a huge AAA game, is only one part of the initiative that will also see much larger projects. I guess the reason we're talking about smaller titles is because the first title we announced is Skeletak, which is obviously an indie, indie title, Joe says. I think one of the reasons we're looking to those types of smaller teams is just that there's so much creativity out there with those guys, you know? 
teams working on small but ambitious titles. These guys are the ones daring to do innovative games, and I think that's very exciting, which we want to support as a publisher. Skeletech has players taking on the role of a villain who has to defend their land from the evading human threat, and is available on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. The developer behind Skeletech, Ukuza, is one of many that Jones hopes to build a long-term partnership with. We're in for the long haul, Jones says. We're only now just going public with this, with the release of Skeletech. But I'm sure you can imagine that this has been planned for months. So right now, we're looking at short and midterm titles that need funding and publishing support to realize their potential. I think long term, from my perspective, it's about forming creative partnerships with studios. It's about bringing original projects to fruition. This is something that we're keen to invest in and are willing to put time and resources into. Jones stated that the team's focus will initially be on studios in Europe as the team is smaller, and it makes sense if we're working in similar time zones. This strategy doesn't mean other markets will be ignored, just that Europe will presently be the primary focus. Our hope is that these things which we can offer might be a good option or a good fit for certain development partners. From the beginning of this process, we've been clear with ourselves that we want to put the developers first. Developers generally want to focus on development. The commercial side is not something which all studios want or need to have in-house, and I think that's where perhaps the more traditional publisher-developer relationship could work, because we can bring our expertise to those guys and allow them to do what they're best at, which is making games. Skull Attack looks to be a very good-looking game. I do, I can't say that I will be digging in right away. I have a couple games that I'm juggling around that I want to get through as we kind of prepare for the games that are coming out in the fall. But this is definitely an interesting uh, stance for Konami to take. I think this news is exciting for some. The idea that Konami is making games with their name on it. Now, they didn't develop this game, but the idea of them working on smaller indie studios, probably trying to find that great next Konami IP. Of course, there's been something mentioned in the article is their studios in Japan. Um, I think they'll definitely make Metal Gear Solid 6. Kojima obviously won't be involved. There are rumors that Silent Hill will be making an appearance at whatever PlayStation event that they're having. Uh, Even if it's not at that event, that they're working on it. Konami, and then you have these uh, games that we talked about in the articles. Konami is slowly, you know, making their, slithering their way back in. They also have the TurboGrafx-16 Mini that... uh, they uh, released recently. I think they're recovering from the fallout from Hideo Kojima. They're hoping that time heals all wounds and that maybe we'll forget about it. Obviously, we won't because that was horrible. And we want to, despite the Hideo Kojima uh, breakup, I am excited at this idea that Konami is working with different developers, working with different, you know, 
working to develop these indie games. This excites me. The thing with Konami is that they make so much money from their pachinko machines in Japan. And, of course, they have gyms that they've opened up. So they have their their revenue continues to grow. They have their hands in a lot of different businesses. So they can afford to help publish these smaller indie titles. And I, I just think it, it's fantastic. I think this is a great move. Maybe Konami's trying to create some more goodwill. But uh, seeing great games come out of Konami, I, I hope we eventually get to that point. where We're just seeing great games come from Konami. Skell Attack is only $20, by the way. So if you want to check it, check it out, it's only $20. And it's pretty much on everything. PS4, Xbox One, PC, I don't think Stadia. See, that's what they should do. They should release this on Stadia, too. This way... You know, at least Stadia is keeping up. That's another problem with Stadia is a lot of the games are coming out later. I hate to bag on them, but... Ah, well. Our next news article is from Jordan Oleman at IGN. Now, I believe we talked to you last week about some news from Sega that the journalist from Famitsu... Uh, tease, and we were going to be riled up by this Sega news. So here we go. Are you ready? Sega announces palm-sized Game Gear micro console. Wow! Yeah, totally riled up. Not really. I believe Jeff Grubb, who we've talked about his articles on the show before, he said. I am shaken to my core after hearing this news. I'm shaken about how uh, unbelievably hyped up this was, and it, there, there's nothing to be hyped up about this. So the article says, a, a set of palm-sized Game Gear micro consoles have been revealed as part of Sega's 60th anniversary celebrations. The Game Gear Micro is currently only available to pre-order in Japan and will launch on October 6th. At time of writing, there has been no news of a Western release for the device. The console has a 1-inch screen and will arrive in four color schemes, each with a different set of four games preloaded. The fun-sized device will offer a headphone jack, charge via USB, and use two AAA batteries for power. Sega is currently offering a promotion where if you buy all four variants of the Game Gear Micro, you'll, you will receive a special big window accessory that magnifies the screen while you play. Uh, the console will retail in Japan for 4,980 yen, which roughly equates to 40 uh, euros or $50. I won't list you the, the games, but this is kind of disappointing. I mean, Sega was releasing, you know, the Game Gear never sold well in America, never sold well in Japan. I guess if you live in Japan, the thing with Japan is that a lot of their culture is they don't live in houses. Not that not that they don't live in houses, but like they live in apartments which are or small houses and their living space is very small, so they don't want to spend a lot of time at home. And because Japan's such a big city, you know, they have these big cities, you, they really want to explore and experience that. 
and you know they take public transit a lot so portable gaming does very well in japan that's why the switch has done so well the playstation portable did so well in japan the vita did well in japan compared to america but uh so this was probably more for them than for us but i did want to mention it in case you were wondering what uh the uh about the news from last week but we're not done here there's another part to this but i do want to mention that uh, it's kind of weird. It, it's so small. If you see, if you get a chance to look at it, the device itself is extremely small. And the fact that the you have these, it only has four games on it, and you have to get all of them if you wanna like if you wanna play all these games. And it's so so eventually you're gonna get to like two hundred, two hundred fifty dollars if you wanna play all of this, and it. It's, I mean, it's so small. They talk about that magnifying de- device that you can put on so that you can see the screen. To me, these games, looking at the size of this, it, the game's going to look impossible to play unless you have the magnifying glass thing on there. We go to Forbes. Paul Tassi has the article. New Game Gear Fog Gaming Reveal. What is Sega doing? For a week or so, gamers have been speculating about big Sega news being teased in Famitsu for release tomorrow, and they have had some big ideas. The concepts have ranged from Microsoft partnering partnering with Sega to rebrand the Xbox Series X in Japan, to Google buying Sega outright and snapping up the properties for Stadia content. According to a, a new report, it's none of those, and the actual answer is very strange, to say the least. Apparently, what Sega is going to announce is a fog gaming system, which is vaguely similar to cloud gaming, and yet has a local twist. The concept, from what I understand, is that Sega is going to use local arcades and game centers in Japan as essentially server farms in order to create a low-latency game streaming service. Rather than streaming from the cloud, the idea is to stream from CPUs and GPUs on local arcade machines, helping performance. And on the arcade side, this means store owners could earn money from the use of their machines even when the place isn't open. It's an interesting idea, though if you were expecting some sort of cross-brand blockbuster announcement, this is definitely not that at all. And to me, this does strike me as a bit more of a pie-in-the-sky idea for an old brand searching for new relevance. Maybe not all the way in Atari VCS Hotels territory, but you can see that in the distance. I'm not quite clear how this is all going to work, but this is more of a Japan thing. And to me, this seems the more interesting part of Sega's announcements. And I think this is the real... This is what uh, the journalist was talking about though we're gonna have to remember his name because if you know next time he teases something we and you know or hypes something up we're not gonna we're gonna have to uh lower our expectations for whatever he hypes up jordan oleman of ign pokemon sword and shield isle of armor expansion gets release date new details New details have been revealed about Pokemon Sword and Shields, Sword and Sword and Shields expansion pass, including the release date of the first content pack. The Isle of Armor will launch on June seventeenth. That's a Wednesday, by the way, which is an odd day to release DLC or 
release anything. Usually we see video game releases on Tuesday or Friday, but this one's on a Wednesday for some reason. The Pokemon Company has revealed a new trailer for the entire expansion pass, giving us a better look at the new features coming to the game with the two DLC packs, the Isle of Armor and the Crown Tundra. Aside from the release date, we were also introduced to two new Pokemon from the Reggie family. We were also introduced to Galarian Slowbro, as well as the Galarian forms of the original legendary birds. These are Articuno, Zapdos, and Moltres. They're all in their Galarian forms, and they have pretty unique typing. The Isle of Armor will bring Gigantamax forms for all three final evolution starter Pokemon, Rillaboom, Cinderance, and Inteleon, adding powerful new G-Max moves to their skill set. This article is a little bit nerdy, so if you're not a big Pokemon fan, you might have zoned out for that one. But the first exp- there's two expansions. There's one coming out June 17th. That was what was announced. And then we also have another one coming out in the fall. I imagine that'll be November. Uh, the the uh, DLC actually looks very interesting to me. Pokemon Sword and Shield is a game I recently finished, and I'm going to be talking about that later in the show. I'm going to give my reviews slash thoughts and opinions about the game, but we will continue with the news. This is from Joe Scrubbles at IGN. This will kind of wrap us up with the news. Rockstar has announced that it will be shutting down GTA Online and Red Dead Online for two hours to honor the legacy of George George Floyd. Both games will have access closed between, depending on your time zone, uh, Pacific, it's 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., and Eastern, it's 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Rockstar followed up its initial message by asking players to to support victims of racial injustice by supporting a list of civil rights-based charitable organizations. I thought it was pretty cool of Rockstar to do this. I don't think any other video game companies have done something like this. Some may follow suit, but I thought, you know, uh, Red Dead Online and GTA Online, those are the biggest, some of the biggest online games going right now. And to have two hours where no one can play to honor George Floyd, I think that's a great, what a cool idea and uh, a very thoughtful idea of Rockstar and a great move by a company who hasn't been doing some good things recently. Alrighty, so that kind of wraps up the news. We have nothing more to talk about news-wise. Uh, but I do want to talk about some of the games I've been playing. Uh, and some of the game I actually finished some of these games, so I kind of want to give some thoughts. Uh, the first game is Pokemon Sword and Shield. I'm going to get a little nerdy, a little bit into it. So uh, if you're leaving, thank you for listening this week. But uh, I'm going to get into Pokemon Sword and Shield. I'm also going to talk about Assassin's Creed Origins, uh, which I platinumed. And then I'm going to talk about Odyssey, which I'm currently playing. Killzone, which I have to get back to. And also Uncharted 4, which I am playing. So we'll start off with Pokemon Sword and Shield. Pokemon Sword and Shield is obviously the most uh, controversial Pokemon game because it does not include any national decks, even if you beat the game. Uh, no new, you're not going to find any new Pokemon, uh, but with the DLC that they will be adding Pokemon through there. Now, one of the big, uh, things about not having the national decks is the developer said that they didn't add the national decks because 
of all the new animations and trying to get these 400 Pokemon to run in the game and have their animations and to have the balance of a game was quite difficult. But the problem is, was that when you start playing the game, you realize that these Pokemon models are up res to work on the Switch, but they look almost exactly the same as they did in Pokemon Sun and Moon, and that's where a lot of the controversy comes from. My opinion is just to limit the amount of Pokemon. I think that's a good idea, but whatever the next game comes out, I think you should do the other 500 Pokemon or whatever the other Pokemon that weren't included in this new game. Put those Pokemon in that game. And this way, between the games, we, we you can experience all the Pokemon. That That's my thinking on it. One of the things I want to start with is a problem I've had. So here's my history kind of with Pokemon. I played X and Y. I played Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. But I, and I, and I played Sun and Moon, and I played Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, but I never finished those games, never really got into Ultra Moon, I think I have. I just never really finished those games or got into them in a real way, uh, so I can't really speak authoritatively on, the, on those. Uh, a couple things with my playthrough, I didn't have... Uh, any water types or flying types because similar to sun and moon in this game you don't need to have a hm pokemon there are no hm moves you have to learn you can just focus on making your team giving them the moves to operate at their best so my team for my journey through the galar region is appleton greedent bulltound cooperaja Scorch uh, and Poltegeist. Obviously, for my team, I love the six uh, Pokemon that I chose. Uh, I, I chose Grookey as my starter, but I loved Appleton so much, I couldn't not use Appleton. That's my favorite Pokemon of this uh, region, and honestly, it probably carried me throughout the game. As I've looked at more photos of Rillaboom, I, I actually dig it a lot more, but uh, but I loved Appleton, so I had to use him. Some of the other Pokemon that I liked, uh, I think Cinderance is the best starter. Scorbunny, Raboot, I think those guys, that's the best uh, starter out of this group of starters. Inteleon, I kind of get the thinking how he's like a cop, undercover type. He's an undercover, he's kind of like a sniper you know, he's kind of a secret agent. And when you think about it like that, I'm like, all right, it makes sense. I get it now. My hope, my, for, uh, that, that, that starter line, my hope was that he starts out sad. And my hope was that he eventually becomes happy. You know, I would have almost picked him if that were the case, but he just keeps getting, you know, embracing the darkness, if you will, until the entire line. So that's why I didn't pick him. Some other Pokemon I liked uh, were Orbeetle, which is a bug Pokemon you get pretty early. You got Roly Coley. Uh, I really dug that, except for I had Cooperaja, and Cooperaja can kind of learn the moves that Roly Coley did. And I had Scorch at that time, who was uh, executing very well. So I didn't use Carcoal. Maybe on a different playthrough I will. Uh, Toxel. Uh, when I saw, found Toxel, 
I went into like the daycare and then I was like, man, so he's in the overworld and he was just sitting there with his trainer, I guess, next to him. I was like, oh, wow, that's a cool Pokemon. I've never seen uh, like a bright purple Pokemon before. He looks pretty cool. And then I talked to the guy and he gives me Toxel. I couldn't believe it. I I was blown away. So I think I didn't use it eventually on my team because I used Boltown as my electric type. But uh, I really dig uh, Toxel and Toxtricity. I think they're cool Pokemon. And if I play through it again, I'll probably use those guys as uh, my my electric uh, poison Pokemon. I dug Hatram and Hatterim, as well as the Galarian Ponyta and Galarian Rapidash. I, uh, I found those guys a lot while I was trying to find my Sinistee. My Pulte guys, by the way... There's a, I guess what's called a real form and a fake form of Sinistee. And you can't breed the real form. You can only catch, you can only catch the real form and you can't get the fake. The, the idea is that there's a lot of fake ones, but there's only a few real ones. So it took me a long time to get a, uh, a real Sinistee and then get a real Pulte guys, I spent because there's a specific item you need to evolve it, and basically what you there's this guy and he sells you a rare item every day, but he only sells you one once a day, and it's random uh, which item he's gonna sell you on which day. So I spent like weeks just going to this guy trying to get uh, the right item to evolve my real Sinistee, and it just never happened for like the longest time. And so for a while, I wasn't doing anything because I wanted Poltegeist to be on my team, but I wanted to be a real one, which was really hard to get and really hard to evolve. I really dug Grimmsnarl, even though I didn't use it. Uh, Cursula, I really liked uh, Corsula, which is a Pokemon from the Johto region. I really dug it. Uh, Misty had it in the anime and... It, did, it never evolved from anything. It didn't evolve into something. So it was cool to see Corsola get a new Galarian form where it evolves into Cursula. And I did Cursula, but I don't like how it's sad. I don't understand why it has to be sad. Why can't it be happy? This is Pokemon. It's like we keep we get these kiddish game. I mean, kiddish uh, stories, but we get these Pokemon who are sad or mad or, you know, just don't have emotions. And, you know, it's kind of a bummer. I also liked how Farfetch got a Galarian form and it evolves into Surfetch, and I think that's awesome. I didn't use it because I don't think it was in my game, so I'll definitely if I if I were to ever replay this, I would buy Sword and just play Sword. That's why I get that experience. Uh, Milkray and Alcreamy, I love how it evolves. You can uh, you just basically spin around while it holds a treat. And you get the treats from battling in this bakery uh, cafe, and it's uh, every day you get a new treat, and then you can uh, when you 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 can evolve Milkray into Alcreamy anytime you want, and you, it can be whatever color you can basically make it so that it's whatever color you want and it, whatever treat you want, and it's just so awesome, and it's a great idea because and, and I don't think it's a bad fairy type Pokemon to use on your team, so. I think it's a lot of fun. This is a Pokemon you get near the end. You have Snom and Frostmoth 
Its typing isn't the best. Bug and Ice type are probably the worst types in Pokemon. But uh, I I really dig Snom and Frostmoth. Maybe on a different uh, team, I'll uh, use these Pokemon. I like Eskew, which is the penguin, who has this giant ice block as a head. But when you attack it, it loses the block and it becomes normal. I thought that was really weird, but he's actually a pretty cool Pokemon, and I kind of dig it, even though I didn't use one. A Pokemon who I could have used on my team, but I chose not to, was Drippy and Dragapult. Those are the pseudo-legendary uh, Pokemon of this region, and I dig Drippy and Dragapult. They're Ghost Dragon, which I think is an awesome typing, and the uh, the middle evolution has uh two drippies and then when it uses its signature move it shoots them at the opponent which i think is awesome i just really dig drippy and dragapult i think they're awesome some pokemon i didn't like i really didn't dig obstagoon because it was so clearly a member from kiss apparently it's not a bad pokemon it has a good attack it learns a variety of moves but uh i just really don't dig it i also don't dig galarian meowth i thought alolan meowth was 10 times better and Galarian Mouth doesn't evolve into Persian. It evolves into, like, Berserker or Perserker or something strange like that. And I just don't dig it at all. And I don't dig the fossil Pokemon either because there's, like, the chicken who's, like, electric chicken. But then it's on the dragon tail. And it's a cool typing. It's electric dragon, which we never seen before. But then, like, it's, uh, it's, it looks like it's in pain, and then it's on the ice type, you know, or water type thing. So it looks like it's suffering there. And then the other one is the fish with the dragon tail, but it's on the tail. And it looks weird. It's not looking the right way. It's like, why? What is this? This is going to be like, I'm just not a fan of the Pokemon fossil designs. As far as the story goes, uh, Hop is one of the more interesting characters there's certain points that are pretty interesting because he loses against you, he loses against his opponents, and he doubts himself, but there's no real, like, you know, point, you know, there's no way they, it's a show, don't tell, so we're never really shown how Hop really recovers from that. He's just kind of, he just kind of tells you that, oh, I'm, you know, I'm back to my normal self, and I really don't dig that. And I really didn't dig Hop, even though he had a lot of potential. Another problem I have is that he picks the starter that's weak to you. It's like, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you have it where it normally is, where he picks a Pokemon that beats your Pokemon? I feel like it prevents you from learning that if you if this is your first Pokemon game. But the cool part about that is that when you face the champion, Leon, these are spoilers. I'm going to spoil the you-know-what out of this game. But when you face Leon, he has this on his team. He has the starter that beats your uh, starter Pokemon. So my when I face Leon, I picked Rillaboom. I mean, uh, I picked Grookey. And so I had to face Cinderace and Charizard on his team. So he had two fire types, which is, our, you know, it's pretty, I don't care. I thought Champion Leon, he's probably the best champion, but that's because he takes so much away from the main player. Like, how many times in this game do you, like, get to a point where it's like, oh, my God, this terrible thing's happening. You better get over there. And then you get over there, and then Leon's like, don't worry, I fixed it. 
And it, this happens throughout the entire game. It's good to know that, like, the real main character is Leon. And, I mean, if you look at it from that point, it's like the main character is Leon, and then the story is about his fall from grace, which is an interesting way to tell a story, but it doesn't serve well in a Pokemon game. Spoiler alert, again, there's no Elite Four. What you do is you face, I believe you face one of your rivals named Marnie, who isn't that special, and then you face Hop, and that's like the semifinals, or like the semi-semifinals, I don't know what that is. But you basically, I basically, you, I think what happens is that everyone who got all the gym badges have a tournament, see who gets to go to the semifinals, then you face, uh, you do, you're entered in a tournament with all the gym leaders, so... And they have stronger Pokemon. My only problem with that is that when you face the gym leaders, they only have, uh, what is it? They only have five Pokemon. Personally, I feel when you get to that point, they should have six Pokemon of whatever type they have. I also didn't like with facing the gym leaders and then facing uh, Leon at the end. I didn't like the way the I didn't like the music that much. They lowered the crowd noise so you couldn't even hear the crowd. One of the parts I loved about facing the gym leaders is first off the gym leader, leaders are pretty good in this game. Also how into the event the crowd is and that I feel like that's so cool. I had to turn the volume on because I just loved hearing the crowd and to hear the music for the gym and then they took that all the all away with the uh, when you face them in the tournament at the end, and it kind of stinks. So I, uh, so what I did was I played this game when it came out in November, and then I took a little hiatus off. I was getting frustrated because I started to try to find a shiny Sinistee. I couldn't do that, but now I've come back. I stopped literally right before I was about to beat the Elite Four, but then I went back and I beat it and. Overall, I think the the game looks kind of... I, I think the wild area is so awesome. I think that is so much fun. I think... I, I, I agree with a lot of people who think you should be able to catch a level 50 Pokemon and then based on the gym badges, you know, won't listen to you until you have the right one, so you can't really use it. I think that would be a smarter way to go. Also, it's hard. It's just naturally hard to catch a Pokemon that is that many levels ahead of you. Like, it would present a nice challenge, and it'd be fun to try, but eventually stop, and then work your way kind of towards it, you know? The other main problem is that it kind of looks like a, a DS, like, like the game was made for the DS, but then somewhere in the development of this game, they were like, oh, we have to make this a Switch game because the Switch is selling like gangbusters and we need to go support it, you know? And that's that was kind of disappointing. There's a ton of popping things, Pokemon just popping out of nowhere. Trainer, you know, you're walking towards the gym, then all of a sudden there are people standing in front of the gym that you didn't see. The pop-in is awful in this game. Another problem I have with this game is the voice acting. There is no voice acting at all. These characters are now expressed. They made the characters look so good, and they're expressing more. 
with their eyes and their mouths, and they're talking to you, but no sounds coming out. It looks awful. They need to have voice acting in this game. Even if you don't have voice acting for the Pokemon, that I can understand. Actually, no, I can't. <laughs> I understand it, but I, you know, it's a little frustrating because you ha you hear the Pokemon in the anime, and they, ha you know, they say their name like they're supposed to. Why can't they bring it from the anime over to the games? Even if you're like, all right, we're going to bring it over, but the, you know, the, it'll only be for some of the Pokemon. The new Pokemon won't have it because they make the game and then the anime comes out. So, you know, it's hard for them to put it in the game uh, before the anime voices the Pokemon. But by now, you could have had it where we have all the Pokemon, except for the new ones, voice acted. I just think they need voice acting all around. I think it would make the game so much better. They do it for Pikachu. They did it for Pikachu and Eevee in uh, Let's Go. And I believe they did it for Pikachu back in X and Y. It's like, why can't, why can't my Bulbasaur say Bulbasaur when I bring Bulbasaur out? It's so annoying. Your rival Hop is more of a friend than he is a rival. I just don't think we're ever going to see a rival that's as good as blue, green, whatever you want, Gary, whatever you want to call him. We're not going to get a better rival than that character. We're not going to get a better rival to the gold and silver games, that rival. Like, I don't think since then we've seen a particularly good rival. Since those, since those guys, I don't think we've seen a really good rival, and I don't think we are ever going to see it because they always twist these rivals and they're like well actually they're your friend and actually they're likable you know and it's like i want to hate my rival i want to i want to beat him every time i see him you know but with these rivals they're more of just like annoyance when they're your friends i i i think they should just embrace a more darker you know rival who says you know who is kind of against you he doesn't have to be evil but he has to be, he wants to beat you. He wants to be better than you. Why can't we just get a rival that wants to be better than you in these games? Towards the end, this is another spoiler alert. It's like an important scene you finally get to. Here's the other thing. You're going up this tower and you're facing, there's no like evil team in this game. And the villain is like barely scary and... You're facing all these goons, which are just all the, you know, all the people who work at the gyms and you've seen them all before, except for they're wearing sunglasses. And that's the only difference. And it's like the laziness on the development of these games is so easy to see. And it's really disappointing throughout this entire game. And it really show and it shows in the end, too, when you come, you finally get to the top, you talk to the chairman and there's no music at all. We're not sure why this... It's supposed to be this big moment. And all that happens is, is that we'll do the championship match. And you're going to have to deal with it, chairman. And he's like, all right, we'll see. And then that's it. And that's the big moment. And then the evil guy does a lot of bad stuff off screen, which you can't even see. And it's just, it's just not good. Like this, The end of it was just not good. In many ways, this game just feels really rushed. And it's a shame, because the wild area is so good. But 
they're just missing on the story. They're missing on the voice acting. They're missing with giving you an actual challenge in this game. I think the DLC looks interesting. I want to play it just because I want to experience all my old Pokemon in this new game. But other than that, I'm man, I just... Next time there's a new game in the Pokemon series, I just... I don't know if I'm going to get it. I just don't know. One last thing. Don't get me started on the... Like, what's the difference between Dynamaxing and Gigantamaxing? Here's another problem I have. A lot of... Pretty much all the Pokemon on my team have a Gigantamax form. And I can't access that unless I catch a Gigantamax Pokemon. I think that's so annoying. Why can't I catch a Pokemon and maybe I work my way or, or give him the Dynamax candies, work my way so that I can get him to Gigantamax? Why do I have to catch a Gigantamax Pokemon in the first place? That's one of the cooler things in the game. And now all the starters are going to be getting it. And then the Kanto starters are going to be getting it. And I can't use it unless I get a Gigantamax Pokemon. And it's confusing as well. The differences between the two. And it's just hard to... I mean, I, I played the game and eventually I got it after a while. But if you're new to the game, I don't know how you would understand what to do with the Gigantamax and the Dynamax. It's, this game has a lot of problems with it. I really don't think I'm going to be getting the next mainline Pokemon game. I'm definitely going to get Sinnoh re Remakes, which I do want to talk about now. Looking at the Pokedex for this game, there are a few Sinnoh Pokemon. I know Toxicroak is in there. Uh, I think Gastrodon is in there, I think. And looking at the... I'll have to double check, but there are a few Pokemon. Skunk Tank is another one. There are a few Sinnoh Pokemon in this game, but there aren't a lot of them. And in the DLC, there isn't a lot of them either. I think you have like Magmordar, you have Electivire, you have Tangle Growth, and then you have Luxio, Shinx, and Luxray. But other than those Pokemon, there isn't a lot of Sinnoh Pokemon in these games, which leads me to believe... That we are getting Sinnoh remakes, which I hope for. I really hope that we are getting Sinnoh remakes, because that would be awesome. Because I love those games. Those were the first games that came out when I was in love with Pokemon. You know, I played Ruby, Sapphire, I mean, I, I played Sapphire, Emerald, uh, Fire Red, Leaf Green. But I got those games after they came out. When, I, when Diamond and Pearl came out, I got those games day one. So those, and those are, Gen 4 is probably one of the better generations. Uh, it's, that generation was so much fun. And then going back to Sinnoh, I think would be awesome. And I would definitely jump in on those games. I don't know what they're going to do with those remakes, though. It's, it'll probably look the same, probably still look like a DS game in my estimation. I hope we get them next year. But uh, you can never be too sure with the Pokemon Company. I really think they have to kind of take a step back. And they really have to make whatever the next Pokemon game. They're really going to have to convince me to get this next Pokemon game. Because I just, this wasn't, this wasn't that great. It was a Pokemon adventure. I'm glad I went on it. But it wasn't that great, you know? The next game I want to jump into is Assassin's Creed Origins. 
we have you play as the Medjai of Egypt. He is meant to serve the people of Egypt as well as the Pharaoh. He is the right hand man of the man of the Pharaoh. He carries out what the Pharaoh wants and you play as him in Assassin's Creed Origins. I got the platinum for this game. I did pretty much everything there is to do in the game. There's a lot I loved about this game. I love Senu. Senu is an eagle, your pet eagle. And what you do with Senu is that you uh, set him off and he can search kind of the area and see enemies that are coming up, any items that are available. When you go into camps, he identifies all the enemies and all the items you need to get. I feel like that's such a cool mechanic. Then you can plan a strategy for when you go in, how you're going to take these guys out, how you're going to get the items, you know, if you just want to get the items and leave and not take any guys out and not be seen. I think that is just such a cool mechanic. I love the predator bow in this game. You can take guys out. They won't even know with headshots. I love using, I love using a bow and arrow in games. I think they're so awesome. And this game does a great job with the bows, the bow and arrows, because they also have bow and arrows you can use like in combat, which is great. And speaking of the combat, the way the combat is very easy to understand. It has an R3 lock on system. You have uh, light attacks with your right bumper or R1, and then you have heavy attacks with your right trigger or your uh, R2. And then I think L2 is the bow and arrow. And then L1, I think, is like um, you can get darts like poison darts and fire arrows and other stuff like that, which is which is awesome. I really dug the gameplay of this game. It's it's so much fun doing the Predator uh, stuff was so much fun. I'm so happy I played this game because I never really dug the Assassin's Creed games before. I had tried Assassin's Creed 2. Uh, but, uh, you know, I just never got into Assassin's Creed 2. I never played the other games, but I'm so glad I played uh, Assassin's Creed Origins. Uh, apparently, the people of Egypt are kind of useless without their Medjai because you play as him. And you, uh, one of the problems I have with this game is the leveling up in order to do the main story you have to be a certain level and in order to, to level up at any form of consistent rate is to kind of do side missions and i didn't find a lot of these side i found them more to be more of a these side missions to be more of a nuisance than uh anything else i didn't find them to be that interesting a lot of fetch quests there was one where i literally was like helping a guy he was picking up just oil jars and putting them in a carriage and that's literally literally all I had to do and it's like there's four of these you can't and you're already doing one of them you can't do this it was kind of frustrating and I wish they would take that out I think it's a little bit I think it's a little bit better in Odyssey from what I've played of Odyssey so far I'll talk about that in a minute but uh yeah that's just a bad part that's one of the bad parts of the game is having to be a certain level in order to do to do some of these uh, main missions. I don't find the story of the game to be that interesting. I think it's pretty good at the beginning, but it definitely drops off. You kind of lose the plot a little bit. Uh, you're, the character you play as, you, I don't find him that interesting. Uh, he has a, I don't want to spoil it, but he has a specific event that happens that traumatizes him, and he kind of goes into hiding with his wife 
and they there are a ton of important historical figures that are in this game there's an important historical event that happens but i don't want to spoil any of that i suggest you look it up or you play the game in order to experience it and i really dug those and uh it's called assassin's creed origins uh for a reason and if you play the game you'll understand and beat the story you'll understand it but it's a it's another Ubisoft type game. You do you che- you kind of do a checklist. You do collectibles. You explore tombs, which is pretty interesting. I originally wrote down like, aren't shouldn't there be traps in here? But it's not you know Tomb Raider. That's not what this is. When you go to a tomb, these are like resting places for the dead. So I under you know that was just a dumb thing I thought about saying, but I decided not to. Because, you know, these are, you know, the tombs are resting places where, you know, the dead are resting and you're exploring them, you're getting items from them. And they're just that that's another cool part was exploring these uh, pyramids and different tombs and going underneath stuff, finding where the entrances are, because the entrance will be on a mountain and then you can't see it right away and you use Sanu to kind of find it. So I just really dug this game. I I thought I thought it was pretty good, and uh, it, it's gotten me into Assassin's Creed because now I'm playing Odyssey, which I'll talk about right now. I want to talk about Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I haven't beaten this game yet. I do hope to get the platinum. The platinum seems simple, but it is uh, time consuming. So it's going to be a game I play for a little while. The thing about Odyssey is that, you know, it continues the RPG elements from Origins as far as your different weapons and and Odyssey. Uh, I think I don't believe it was in Origins, but you can change uh, your gear or your armor and you can choose which what it looks like as well as like what it um, does for you and your RPG stats. The other thing with this game is that Everything I loved about uh, Origins is in Odyssey. Uh, One thing that I don't like about Odyssey is that it doesn't have the Predator bow, which I love so much from Origins. And I don't know if it's not in the game or whether or not I have to upgrade my bow and arrow uh, to get to a point where I can take guys out with a headshot. But I can't do that in Odyssey as of right now, I have to see what I have to do to get it to act like a predator bow from Origins. But I, so far, other than that, I am completely digging Odyssey. I'm using Cassandra. You get to choose which character you want to be. Do you want to be Cassandra or do you want to be Alexios? Uh, but I, I, I chose Cassandra. Uh, I love the ability to pick, to have dialogue options, to choose if you want to fight someone. Dealing with consequences for those actions, I just deal. I I now have to deal with a consequence, with a consequence of a choice I made earlier, uh, which is very interesting. There was a side quest where I, I I've done like two side quests and I got lieutenants for my uh, ship, which I think is awesome. So now, even if I have to do a side quest because I want to. The, the leveling isn't as bad in this game. You know, if if I'm not a high enough level for the recommended... If I'm not at the recommended level, I'm pretty damn close. 
uh, as far as where I am in the story. So it, it never, there's no like five to 10 level gap. I'm always like two, one or two levels away from being able to do the main story. And it doesn't, if I'm close, it doesn't level you out, which is awesome. I'm doing side quests and those side quests are introducing, you know, introducing me to people. They have consequences. They give me a lieutenant. Sometimes you don't know what's going to happen with these side quests, which is compelling and it makes me want to do them which is which I love about this game the story really dug me in with the stuff that's happening so far I don't want to talk about it because I haven't beaten it yet but uh the voice actor for Cassandra is awesome uh there's a bigger emphasis on sea combat which I you know I really didn't like from Origins they kind of bring it back here with Odyssey um I you know I've grown to kind of accept it um, but I'm not gonna, it's not my favorite part of the game. I much per, you know, it's, it's useful to be a way to get around, but I much prefer just walking around, killing people. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to continue Cassandra's, uh, story, but I am juggling a couple games right now and I will get into the next one, which is Killzone. I am playing it through playstation now i am playing they have the i guess the collection uh that was available for the ps3 and it's available on ps now so i have to stream it to play it this is ps now has been pretty good to me i don't know how ps now is for everyone else but ps now has been good to me as far as streaming i haven't run into frame drips or any frame drops or anything like that uh, PS Now has been pretty good to me, uh, but Killzone is a PS2 game that was put on PS3 for the collection. Uh, as far as getting the Platinum Trophy, this is probably the, my best chance to get a Platinum Trophy out of all the Killzone games, uh, Killzone, Killzone 2, Killzone 3, and Killzone uh, Shadowfall. However, I don't think I'm going to get... The Platinum Trophy in this game. It, I just don't want to spend a lot of time playing this game. I have to use the bumpers as to, in order to aim and shoot. Uh, there's some funky... You know, the controls are fine. It's a fine game. It doesn't look really great. Like, unbelievable. You know, just because I've played better games that have come out. But uh, I, I'm definitely going to play it. Uh, I'll, I'm not going to go for the Platinum Trophy, so I'm not going to play it on hard. I've been playing it on hard, and playing this game, this game doesn't have good checkpoints. So if I play it on hard and I lose at a certain point, then i got to go back all the way to the beginning of the chapter and do it again. And it's just not, it's not ideal. I want to get through this game, get through Killzone 2, get through Killzone 3, kind of catch up on all, all the Guerrilla games so I can play Horizon Zero Dawn. That's kind of my goal with this. So I'll let you know about Killzone if and when I, I beat it. I want to talk about Uncharted 4, which I am playing. Um, right now I'm on a chapter. Um, I want to get the Platinum Trophy in, in Uncharted 4, but I'm on chapter 13. I'm trying to get through it on Crushing, and I just can't. I've literally been stuck on this one part for like two days straight. And not that I've been playing all day, but like I've been playing for like a few hours and I still can't get through. It's like one part and it's starting to get frustrating for me. 
and I, I think I'll be able to do it. But man, it's like if I have to run into another part like that where I'm just struggling to get through, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to platinum this game. Um, I'm playing on crushing so I can save myself a playthrough. You have to play through crushing to get a trophy for the platinum. Um, and if I didn't do that, I would have to play on hard, get through the game, then play on crushing. And I'd rather just play on crushing, grind through this last part. I hope, I think I know how I can get, get through it, but I just gotta, I just gotta try again. Um, but I'll see. I definitely want to play this game. I just bought Uncharted The Lost Legacy for like $10 today. I want to get through those games uh, in order to prepare for The Last of Us Part 2. As far as the story for Uncharted 4, some of you have played the game, so you already know. Uh, a minor spoiler for the beginning of the game is that you meet uh, Nathan Drake's brother, Sam. Now, uh, Sam Drake is voiced by Troy Baker. Um, I'm sure they tried to get Troy Baker into the game uh, because of his friendship with Nolan North and playing the game. It's kind of like, you know, have seeing them interact is kind of like listening to an episode of Retro Replay, which is Troy Baker and Nolan North's uh, YouTube channel. So I'm kind of like when I'm playing this, I'm like, I feel like if I want to see the two of them together talking, I, I'd rather just watch Retro Replay because Nathan Drake sounds a lot like Nolan North. And Sam Drake sounds damn near Troy Baker. So, you know, but if you're not a fan of those guys, then you wouldn't you wouldn't know the difference. Uh, I do have some problems with Sam Baker. I think he's a he's a there are parts that I like. It's cool to see a character that hasn't been there through Nate's previous adventures. There's a little bit of nostalgia points that they uh, put in throughout this game. And it's cool to see Nate. Uh, there's a cool scene where he's talking to Sam and, you know, and Sam wasn't there through the first three games. He's introduced in this game, so he wasn't there. And to see Sam and Nate have these moments of, uh, you know, reliving through the games that uh, Sam wasn't a part of, uh, is it was super cool for people who have played the other three games, which I totally recommend you do. I totally recommend you play one, two, and three, then play four. Sam seems to be a lot like Nate, which I'm sure the character of Nate enjoys in the game, but I don't know how much I enjoy it. I kind of like the cool part about playing the original Uncharted games was that you had Nate and Nate is super cool, super good at climbing and he's super cool at figuring out the puzzles. But then you have Sullivan. Sullivan's a lot wiser. Sullivan uh, looks out for Nate's best interests. Sullivan uh, can drive the car and, you know, is a real good helper. Elena is a photographer. She's a journalist. You know, you have these different characters who bring these different things. And I just don't think it, it, it so far it's not working for me to have this character that is so much like the main character. Uh, I just don't know if it's working. I'm not sure if I dig it, but I do dig the the gameplay, the gameplay is pretty similar. The only, you have the normal platforming, but you also have this grappling hook. You throw it, it hooks onto something, and then you can swing. So, like, the swinging action is kind of new. And I'm kind of enjoying that. I really feel kind of like Indiana Jones. Uh, you can't use it in combat. You can only use it to traverse, I guess. 
So I think you can use it to like swing and then you can drop on an enemy. But I don't think I've encountered a moment where I've done that yet. But I'm struggling through Uncharted 4. Um, I'm digging the gameplay. It's a lot of fun. But there's this one part I'm having a real tough time getting through. And I hope I'm able to get through it so I can platinum the game. This now wraps up this episode of News Game Plus. Go on iTunes, leave us a review, leave a comment, tell me how I'm doing. I'm always looking to improve the podcast, make it more listenable to uh, all the all of the listeners out there. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you stay safe. I hope you stay well. I have changed my Twitter name. I am no longer at SodaBoy456. I am now at bdoggy underscore dog. So if you would like to write into the show, I would love nothing more than to read what you have to say, any questions, any concerns, any statements. Tell me what games you're playing. I definitely want to talk about the games you're playing. So write those in. I would love to uh, read them on the show and talk about the games you're playing. Uh, so thank you. Of course, no no spoilers, but... I want to thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of your day and make sure that you game on.